0: 2 Chronicles chapter number 19 and verse number 1. The Bible says, And Jehoshaphat the king of Judah returned to his house in peace to Jerusalem. And Jehu the son of Hananiah the seer went out to meet him and said to king Jehoshaphat, Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Therefore is wrath upon thee from before the Lord. Nevertheless, there are good things found in thee, in that thou hast taken away the groves out of the land, and has prepared thine heart to seek God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I do pray, God, that you would help us tonight. I pray that you would touch our mind, touch our lips. Lord, give us the vocabulary that we need tonight to preach. And most of all, give us the spirit, Lord, that would honor you and glorify you. I pray that you would be pleased with our worship. And I ask you to speak to every heart. Lord, as we get ready to celebrate uh, this coming Sunday, this Resurrection Sunday, Lord, help us, Lord, to be reminded of the resurrection. But God, we know that it's not just one time a week, but it's well every day. For us that are saved, we know that all is well. And I pray now that you'll bless, have your will, have your way. We'll love you, we'll thank you, and we'll praise you. And we ask it in Jesus' name, we do pray. Amen and amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice with me in verse number 1 here, how this man by the name, or this king, should I say, by the name of Jehoshaphat. And I want you to notice his position. The Bible says in Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah he was the fourth ruler of Judah uh, Jehoshaphat was and the Bible is clear about his position in this verse and then it also tells us about his path if you know anything about the reign of Jehoshaphat and his uh, time that he reigned the Bible says here that he returned to his house in peace amen he was a king that uh, God had greatly used and brought peace to the nation of Judah uh, to the people of Judah and Benjamin and God had blessed him and he had a path of peace And, and so the Bible talks about his path. It talks about his position and then of course his place being that of worship or of Jerusalem and Jerusalem is the known as the place of worship and Jehoshaphat uh, was not just in that place by uh, formality but in his heart as the Bible said in verse number 3 here that he desired to seek God with all of his heart. In fact if you look at his life, if you go back to chapter number 17 and we'll not uh, labor the thought tonight but if you go to chapter 17, 17, 17 and verse number 1 the Bible talks about Jehoshaphat and it talks about his beginning of his reign as he uh, grew up under that great revival as his father Asa was responsible for uh, bringing that revival to the nation of Judah and when you get to chapter 17 and verse number 1 the Bible talks about his strength as it said that he strengthened himself against Israel and let me just stop and say this we still need strong leadership today amen I thank God I know we don't have it in this nation right now but Jehoshaphat provided strong leadership uh, for the nation of Judah I want to say that's exactly what we need in this hour on every level and we see his strength and we see his service that he placed forces in all the fenced cities of Judah and set garrisons in the land of Judah and in the cities of Ephraim which Asa his father had taken and so uh, we see his strength and his service and we see his success as the Bible said in verse 3 that the Lord was with Jehoshaphat Why? Because he walked in the first ways of his father David and sought not Balaam. I'm going to tell you, if you'll live for God and if you'll walk with God, you'll find great success. Amen? Young person, hear me tonight. If you want God's blessing on your life, uh, uh, then live for God and walk in the ways of the Lord. And we see a success and we see a spirituality in verse number four that he sought uh, uh, to the Lord God, his father, and walked in his commandments and not after the doings of Israel. Hey, listen, here is a a man uh, that made his mind up that he was going to serve God and he was going to live for God. He was a spiritual king and thank God for spiritual leadership today as well. We see a stability in verse number six uh, or verse number five. As the Bible said, therefore, uh, the Lord established the kingdom in his hand and all Judah brought Jehoshaphat presence and he had riches and honor in abundance. God blessed this king because uh, this king blessed God. If you want to know why America's in the shape she's in tonight, it's because she's turned her back on a thrice holy God, amen? You can't murder a million babies a year and get by with it. You can't legalize alcohol and pornography and lottery and gambling and all those other things uh, and promote sodomy and all kinds of sin uh, and perversion uh, and not have the judgment of God upon our nation. We are the salt of the earth and that's exactly what Jehoshaphat was uh, in his day and if we study his reign and his ministry, Uh, we find here in chapter 17 uh, uh, that he was a a faithful king. In fact the nation, I'm not preaching from chapter 17, I'm just laying some groundwork here. The nation of Judah uh, had revival. The Bible said in verse number 6 that his heart was lifted up in the ways of the Lord uh, and he was a a very faithful king and he was a famous king. When you get down to verse number 10, uh, the Bible talks about his power and his fame and how that God had blessed him even amongst the heathen as they came before him. He was a fruitful king Uh, in chapter number 19. Our text tonight, just below it, it talks about in chapter 4, I mean verses 4 down through verse number 11, how that he appointed godly judges throughout the land and he admonished those judges uh, that they would deal justly with the people. Don't you wish that was in America today when you could go before a judge uh, and just get a fair trial. Amen? No politics, uh, no money involved, know who knows who or who is what, but just honest judges doing the right thing. Amen? I'm telling you truth. is falling in the streets in this country uh, and people have backed up uh, and we're in a real mess today uh, because listen, we got as many crooked politicians and judges uh, as we do preachers in the pulpits. Amen? Uh, and so he was uh, a fruitful king, the Bible says. Uh, and he was a favored king if you go to chapter number 20 and look at verse number 12 uh, in the Bible said that he called out to God in the heat of the paddle and he said oh our God wilt thou not judge them for we have no might against this great company that cometh against us neither know we what to do but look at this phrase but our eyes are upon thee amen you know what he said he said God we're no match for that outfit but he said God we're not looking at them our eyes are upon you amen and it was because of that he found favor in in the eyes of God. Amen. He was a favored king, wasn't he? And the Lord heard his prayer, and God was good to him. But I want to say tonight, Jehoshaphat was not a flawless king by no means. If you look at his life, you look at his his time, his rule, you find that Jehoshaphat compromised at different times in his leadership. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on the dangers of compromise, the dangers of compromise. You see, when you get to verse number two, there's a messenger. Jehu, the son of Hananiah, the seer, went out to meet him and said to King Jehoshaphat, I find that this messenger here, the Bible mentions his father. He's the son of Hananiah. The Bible mentions his faithfulness as he went out to meet him. I like that little phrase, he went out to meet him. What it tells me is that God always has a man. He always has a messenger. And this prophet, this preacher here, was not intimidated by a politician, amen? Boy, I wish God would help us in our pulpits today. Uh, Listen, we got more compromise going on, or as much should I say, in our pulpits uh, as what we do in Washington today. And there's never been a time when preachers uh, are more scared to just stand up uh, and call out the truth, amen? I mean, I look at verse number two, and I thought to myself, now wait a minute, Uh, this can't be right, Uh, because here you've got a a preacher uh, that's getting political, amen? And the day we're living in, you know what they say. I mean, the average Baptist going to church nowadays, when the preacher starts nailing politics, they get all tight-lipped and locked jaw and can't say amen because their wife probably won't let them, amen. Or they've watched so much CNN news and read so many newspapers. They bought into all this mainstream media that we're not supposed to say nothing. And if a preacher gets up and preaches against Democrats and politicians, Christians in this hour, uh, they say, well, it's just hate speech, uh, and he's against everybody. I tell you, you'd have a hard time telling these Old Testament prophets, uh, uh, because when God had a problem with a politician, you know who he sent to the to the headquarters? Uh, he didn't send another politician. Uh, he sent a real man of God that uh, had a real message That uh, wasn't ashamed and wasn't afraid. Hey, I want to tell you tonight, I'm not being a smart aleck, uh, but I'm not running for office, amen? Uh, I'm not putting my finger to the wind and finding out which way the wind blows I don't care if it makes people happy or not I'm not out to make nobody upset but brother what this nation needs again is some men of God that'll get some steel down in their soul and a backbone on their back and'll stand up and call sin out by name and preach against this perverted politician crowd that won't stand for nothing anymore amen and if you believe that you ought to say amen because it's the truth I'm telling you, they've sold us down the river and they've sold our children down the river and our grandchildren down the river and if you get mad at a preacher uh, rather than a politician, you got real problems, amen? I'm talking about listen, speaking the truth in life uh, real compassion is not backpedaling and getting silent and saying nothing about anything. I'm telling you, real compassion uh, is standing up and telling the truth uh, with grace in your heart and the right spirit uh, uh, but somebody needs to burn that crowd tied up, amen? Uh, somebody needs to preach against what they're doing. Uh, uh, Somebody needs to call them out uh, and somebody needs to have a message uh, in this hour. Amen. Isn't that right? That's what we used to hear everywhere we went. Amen. And I see the messenger and then I see the message. The Bible said here in verse number two, look what he said. Shouldest thou help the ungodly and love them that hate the Lord? Oh, we've got a crowd today that says you just, need to, you just need to coddle their sin and love them to Jesus. This question that is asked, these two questions that are asked calls me to ask myself a very important question. How do you love someone who is doing wickedly? How do you love a person that is living wickedly in sin? Do you pat them on the head and tell them what they're doing is okay? Do you sit around and never say anything about the way they're living and the things that they're doing? Do you just go through life and act like that everything they're doing is okay? God had a problem with it here. He said, oh, but if you love them, you won't say anything to hurt their feelings. I don't find that no words in the Bible. Somebody should have told my pastor that when I was lost. You say, but if you love them, Brother Gravely, you won't won't offend them. I want to tell you the word of God offends people. We're not to try to offend people, but I want to say, how do you love someone that's living living and doing wickedly? I'll tell you how you love them. By always telling them the truth. Open rebuke is better, the Bible says, than secret love. If you have someone in your family that's living, uh, listen, a, a, a sodomite lifestyle, listen, you can love them and care for them and you can love them and hate the sin. And i tell you, listen, they're doing an abomination. They're living in wickedness and, and you cannot act like that's okay. You cannot act like that's acceptable because God doesn't accept that and it's not okay and the only way they're going to get right is for you to tell them the truth and they ought to be tears dripping off your chin when you tell them the truth but every time you get around them. You ought to tell them the truth. Amen. I'm telling you if you got someone uh, that's a drunkard in your family love them enough to tell them the truth. Uh, Listen, don't okay what they're doing. Uh, Don't let it just slide by. You love them enough to tell them the truth uh, because the truth uh, may be the only thing that keeps them awake at night. The truth may be the only thing uh, that haunts them in their sleep when they're by themselves. But if you just make everything okay, if you hit like on their Facebook uh, when they're out there uh, at a bar somewhere and they're turning a Bud Stupor up and you hit like or you say some little comment that makes them feel good about what they're doing, hey friend, you're pushing them further off the cliff, amen. You ought to have enough sense to not support what they're doing. I've seen some people, they'll condemn everybody else but when it's their family or when it's their friend, all of a sudden nobody wants to say nothing about it. I'm telling you the truth is the truth is the truth no matter who it is, amen. Amen. You say, preacher, you don't know anything about that. Oh, but I do. When I got saved. I lived with unsaved parents for a number of years. My mother got saved, but my father didn't. And I learned, God, at an early age, I didn't, I'm didn't. i not an expert on what I'm about to tell you, but I'll tell you the Spirit of God will lead you. I learned how to be respectful to my father, but never okay what he was doing. The message. It questioned his loyalty. Shouldest thou help the ungodly? What do you do about somebody living an ungodly life? Do you yoke up with them? Hear me, young people tonight. Do you yoke up with people that wanna wanna sit on the back row rather than sit up front? Do you yoke up with people that, I'm not talking about somebody, uh, listen, I'm talking about somebody who wants to sit in the bag because they don't want to be in church. They, that's no reflection of, of some of you, but you know, I'm looking back there, I don't see too many young people back there, Brother Black, I'm sorry, all right? <laughs> but you know, uh, uh, I'm not talking to everybody by no means when I say that, uh, but you know, uh, listen, I mean, when you think about it, there's some young people, they slide to the back, why is that? They want to get as far away from this pulpit. They want to get as far away from that altar. They want to get as far away from a commitment. Now, don't you go back there and hook up with them. Don't you go back there and join them, amen. I'm telling you, listen, you're not helping, you want to help those that want to get out of church, those that want to get a little further, those that want to get out and do things that they're not supposed to be doing. Do you want to yoke up with that crowd? You're not going to win them by becoming them. It's not just teenagers that needs that kind of preaching. You can't go work out every day with somebody that, that uh, listen, they they don't have the same convictions and, and and standards, and and they don't listen to the same music, and and they they're just living looser. You saw, but I'm going to be a witness to them. You can't go out uh, and listen, to things like that, uh, and win them. Uh, you're not realizing what's happening. Uh, you're not winning them. They're not changing. They're winning you. Hey, man! When your family comes over on Sunday, and you say, "Well, family's coming over, so we're just going to stay at the house this Sunday," and we're just gonna have dinner and sit around and we're gonna fellowship. You're not winning your lost family members, uh, staying at home, eating dinner with them on Sunday, missing the house of God. Uh, you told them you love God. You told them God is first in your life. Uh, you told them that church comes first. Uh, you ought to say, listen, y'all welcome to stay. Here's a good bed. There's a good pillow. here's a good couch, but it'd be a whole lot better if y'all go to church with us this morning. But if you're not gonna go, we'll see you about one o'clock. Amen. Uh, and then when it gets about 430, you and Invite them to Sunday night church. You don't stay home with them on Sunday night. Can I get an amen right there? You don't stay home and watch live stream with your family and claim you went to church. Can I get an amen right there? Y'all know I'm going to preach on live stream a lot because we got it now. I got to keep it where it needs to be. I'm just simply telling you, you're not going to win them by doing that. Staying at home, you need to be a testimony. I tell you, leaving them at the house in an empty house, sitting there with nothing to think about other than the fact you went to church in spite of them and so now they need to be in church that's how you win them amen I'm going to tell you that older generation had that that older generation believed that you wasn't going to keep them at the house I don't know why I'm preaching this but I feel like somebody needs it amen You wasn't going to keep them at the house on Sunday night You wasn't going to keep them at the house on Wednesday night church was number one church was first in their life and it still ought to be today can I get an amen right there I want to say, I don't know where all, it's in that verse somewhere. Shouldest thou help the ungodly? You're not going to win young people by having a church softball team. Amen. Taking Wednesday night prayer meeting away and building a ball field. Amen. Having a little devotional out there. And everybody not dressed right and and playing ball on Wednesday night and preparing for the, the tournament, you know. Uh, you're not gonna win them uh, by doing that uh, and uh, and putting a, a trophy shop in the in the foyer of the church uh, with all the trophies. Uh, the Lord has allowed us to win by missing church on Wednesday night. I don't know why I'm preaching that. We're not getting a ball team, y'all know that. But I think sometimes you just need to draw a few lines in the set. I'm just telling you tonight that uh, we cannot afford to help the ungodly. We're to witness to the ungodly. We're to win the ungodly. We're to preach to the ungodly. But we're not on the same side. We're not in the same place. We're not going in the same direction. We want to take them in our direction. But the problem with Jehoshaphat was that three times he made an alliance with the wrong side. And my friend, it crippled him and it hurt him in the end. You say, preacher, why do you preach some of those things? Because they need to be. And because if you could sit where pastors sit and see what pastors see sometimes, you'd preach it too. And because I care more about you and your children tonight than just a pat on the back, I sincerely mean that with all of my heart. Preachers don't preach to be mean. They preach what God gives them. I want to tell you, there's a danger in compromise tonight. You're sitting in a good place. Bible Baptist Church is a good church. But I want to tell you something tonight. None of us, this pastor included, we're not above compromise. His church tonight, you would never think in this church that it would ever go south. You would sit here tonight and say, oh, this church would never preach out of anything but a King James Bible. You know, this church would never lower their dress standard. I, I want to tell you, and we're on the subject. I wish I would have thought of it this morning. Y'all help me remind me. Next Sunday, we may put in a church bulletin. Amen. I'm just kidding. Amen. Somebody will uh, clip at and say, i meant it. But I'm telling you, uh, listen, uh, uh, but you know what? It's about every spring you have to make this statement. You don't need it, but new people coming in, uh, listen, that joined the church, maybe they went came from a church where they don't know patterns, So it just stands to say, every year, that when it starts getting a little bit warm outside. uh, Listen, don't start peeling your clothes off. Can we get an amen right there? Don't go down to the store and buy one of those shirts that's got a hole here and a hole there and a hole. I mean, if you did, you didn't get your money's worth. Somebody say man, You got ripped off literally. Isn't that right? Uh, uh, But you know what? Uh, You know, you just put clothes were meant to conceal, not reveal. Can I get an amen right there? And you know what I appreciate about this church uh, is when the choir gets up to sing uh, Thank God we don't have to look at the carpet. Amen. And thank God we don't have to have robes. Amen. How many of y'all are thankful tonight we don't have robes? Isn't that right? I used to be against them, but I've been to some churches uh, and seen some choirs sing, and I thought, you know, it wouldn't be a half bad idea if they just robed the choir out. Amen. It'd be, I'd let them wear them while they sit in the pews too. Amen. I'm just telling you, isn't it pitiful? I'm not talking about sinners tonight. I'm not talking about lost people. I'm just talking about the dangers uh, of a good church Compromise. This was a godly king. This was a man that loved God. God even said it himself in verse number three. He talked about his mercy as he recognized his service and his separation and his sincerity. All in that one verse, he recognized every bit of that. But this was a king that at moments and at times, he compromised. I won't lie to you tonight. The temptation to compromise, it's came to my doorstep. It's been there more times than I ever care to think about. Parents, when your children becomes a teenager and they're in the battle of their life, that'll really define them, but it'll also define you. It's easy to say what your kids are going to do when they're five, six, seven, and eight. But when they come to you at 13 and 14 and you can look at them and you see something in them that ought not be there. And the pressure gets turned up on you. You know what some people do? They say, well, you know, maybe we need to look for another church. You know, little Johnny just feels like he doesn't fit in the youth group no more. The young people, they've kind of isolated little Johnny. I've heard that so many times it ain't funny. Little Susie, you know, she just, you know, people pick on her down there. People's going to pick on you all your life. Am I telling the truth? Just tell them to suck it up and go on. Is that right? Don't coddle them. Don't pat. You don't even know if it's true. I know you don't think your child would lie, but people lie. Amen. And, and, and young people lie. And older people lie. Middle-aged people lie. And I know you so I, I know my preacher. I know my teenager. They wouldn't lie. You don't know them. You don't even know your own flesh, friend. Amen. And if your flesh can lie, then their flesh can lie. You just gotta tell them to suck it up. You gotta flush that drama out. I'm gonna tell you why. Because it's more than some teenager picking on them that's at stake. It's her spiritual well-being. You gotta hold her right, you gotta hold her tight. You gotta keep your keep your hand on the on the hem of that wheel. And you got to stay the course in the battle of their life. You can't afford to back up one inch. You can't compromise one bit. I'm talking about when your best friend starts letting their children do certain things. And you all of a sudden it puts a wedge between you and them. And you feel the temptation to say, well, they're doing it and it's okay. And you feel the influence. I'm going to tell you, you got to hold her tight. You can't give him. Their spirituality depends on it. And us men of God as preachers, we can't compromise for deep pockets. Somebody say amen. We can't Compromise for a race. Uh, We can't compromise for a a number on the board. Uh, We can't compromise uh, uh, because some politician or some banker or somebody shows up that we really want to join the church. Uh, Oh no, we can't compromise for uh, for talent. Uh, We can't uh, compromise for prestige. Uh, We cannot afford to compromise tonight. Can't do it. Can't do it tonight. You say, Preacher, where did Jehoshaphat compromise? He compromised. I see here in chapter 18 and verse number one, his marital compromise. The Bible said in chapter 18 and verse number one, now Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. He had a marriage that was no doubt political. Ahab had a, he had a, he had a motive in this arrangement. You can go to chapter number twenty-one and or chapter twenty and, and or I think it's chapter twenty-one, verse six, and read about it even further. But he compromised in his marriage. Young people, listen to me. You can't compromise in your marriage. You don't date, and we use the, you don't court. Christians don't date. Say amen. But you don't court somebody. They don't have the same convictions you have. And if you're willing to lower what you believe to get them, then you have a real spiritual problem tonight. You need to look at your life. It'll never work if you unequally yoke together. You marry another. You say, but preacher, I know somebody that it worked out. Well, they, it's the grace of God and an exception. It's certainly not the rule. And I have a hard time believing it was God's best for them. You wait, you pray, you be patient, you let God send the right person. You don't get on some Christian dateline. Amen. That's for even young adults. Amen. You don't get on some Christian dateline. You say, Christian, what is it? Uh, Christiandating.com. You don't get on that. That's not how Adam and Eve did it. Isn't that right? You know, I tell young people this and this will give you a lot of hope. Adam was the only man in this world and there was nobody for Adam. Have you ever felt like there's nobody for you? I, amen. I won't even go there. I've looked at some people and I thought, Lord, there's nobody for them. But you, sometimes you'll think, man, I, I, you know, I, I'm 17 years old. And nobody's even been nice to me yet. I, 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 no, I'm never gonna get married. What if I get what if I turn 18 and, and nobody still is interested in me? Life goes on. There's things worse than than being single, you know that. I'm telling you tonight, you know, God has Adam was the only man in the world. And he found a woman. If Adam can find a woman. You'll find one. Boys, there's hope for you. Girls, there's hope for you. You'll find a man. And we do believe men wear marry women and women marry men. We're not compromising on that mess, are we? I'm telling you tonight, this world's going crazy. That's abomination. That's sin. But God, you know what he did? He brought Eve to Adam. God put them together. And it's all, the only thing Adam could do was wait. I don't know if he prayed, but he waited. And he was by himself. And God brought the right person. God will always bring you the right person. But if you go finding, you go looking for the right person, I promise you, you didn't get them. Don't compromise in your marriage. Don't compromise your convictions, your beliefs. Don't don't compromise your church. Amen. Don't compromise to go somewhere else. How many times have we seen people marry somebody they knew they wouldn't go to an old-fashioned church so they married them and they said, well, you know, we, we're just going to have to go to church over here and it's a little bit different. I'm going to tell you, you're talking about raising your children in that atmosphere. You're talking about the strength of your marriage. You know the strength of your marriage has a lot to do with the church you go to. you got to think about that. You put you put your home in a marriage where, or in a in your home your marriage in a in a church. I mean that that's loose. Then guess what? They're not going to hear the kind of preaching that you need to hear, the kind of teaching, the kind of instructions. And your marriage is going to get not get stronger, but it's going to get weaker. And you've got to be in a place where yeah, there's Bible preaching going on. Don't compromise your marriage, amen. And if your marriage is on the rocks, then get on your knees, amen. Don't throw your marriage away tonight. But you get on your knees and you say, what well, preacher? If you only knew how bad my wife was. I, if you only knew how bad my husband was uh, I'm going to tell you what you need to do if you believe in prayer and you believe in God you ought to get on your knees as a Christian don't throw your marriage away but pray for your spouse uh, and pray for yourself amen because the problem may not near be as much them as it is you Uh, I don't know how many times I've sat down and I've heard people say well you know for 35 minutes they want to talk about their spouse Uh, and then at the end of that they'll say well now I know I'm not perfect oh they don't want to put themselves under the microscope they can see the sin of their spouse uh, but they cannot see the sins of themselves I want to tell you if that's you tonight uh, you're the detriment to the marriage uh, and you're the one that God uh, is going to hold accountable one day at the judgment seat and it's more than just you I'm telling you listen it's involving your children it's involving your church family I'm telling you tonight we could have revival if we could get some homes on the altar and get some moms and dads some husbands and some wives uh, on the altar uh, to do real business with God I'm telling you I'm talking about tears flowing down their face and apologizing to each other and saying I'm sorry, I'm sorry not you need to be sorry but I'm sorry for what I said I'm sorry for what I did I'm sorry for all the times I brought up the past I'm sorry for all the times I made you miserable I'm sorry for all the times I argued oh wouldn't we have revival in our homes tonight if people just learned how to say I'm sorry once again I feel like I just preached about knee deep through some stuff Tonight, listen to me. Won't you compromise your marriage? do not you let the devil slide in next to you and get your eye on somebody else? Some other couple. And say, man, don't you wish your marriage was like their marriage? I'm going to tell you, it may be picture perfect on the outside. But it may be falling apart. And what may be so wonderful for them could be terrible for you. I knew a man that... I won't go into all the details, but he married a lady. It was his second marriage. A woman he wanted to marry. And he got what he wanted. But it literally cost him everything that he had. After about 20 to 22 years of being married to that lady, she did to him what he did to his wife. She left him in the middle of the night. You see tonight... You think about it, young people. You think about it tonight, mom and dad. God gave you the person you're supposed to be with. Don't you compromise? Husband, tonight, you're to be the spiritual leader of your home. Don't you be the one laying in the bed on Sunday morning, making the family late for Sunday school. Amen. I don't care if you got to sleep in the car. You be the first one in the car. You be the one to get up and set a pot of coffee, turn the radio on and play some good heavenly music. Help get the children up. And don't you be so lazy. You don't help that wife. You got two or three children. You help them. They they can't dress them kids. You help them. Can I get an amen right there? Says not my job. I'm gonna tell you help bring them children in this world. I tell you it'll be your job to help put some clothes on them and take a little pressure off that wife on Sunday morning. Don't you lay in the bed to the last minute, make her do everything else? Uh, you say, well, she don't look as pretty as she used to. Well, she got more people to get to re- uh, get to uh, get ready on Sunday morning. I mean, get out, be a spiritual leader in your home. Uh, uh, set the atmosphere, the mood, uh, and just make everybody ready to go to church. And and I mean, you lead the way as the husband. Am I telling it right tonight? You be the one to encourage the family to go to church on Sunday morning. Don't be a backslid husband. I'm telling you, our homes are in a wreck tonight because we got men. They're more concerned about how big their paycheck is at the end of the week as a spiritual well-being of their own family and their own marriage. I tell you what could happen if you're not careful. While you're so busy making a living, somebody may slip in under the radar and speak some sweet nothings to your wife and before you know it she could be gone amen say brother Gravely you think that'll happen I know it'll happen I'm gonna tell you I've not only seen it happen in church I've seen it happen to pastors so wrapped up in the the ministry let me tell you something about the ministry tonight and I gotta move on it's wonderful it's wonderful to be a part of the work of God but if a pastor is not careful a missionary an evangelist The ministry has a way of just engulfing, consuming your life. And that sounds like a real good thing. And it is when it comes to serving God. But I'm telling you, there's got to be time for that wife. Amen. There's got to be time to play ball with the children. There's got to be time to take family vacations. I'm not talking about one every month. Somebody say amen. Missing church on Sunday. Driving home on Sunday. Somebody say amen right there. I'm not talking about that. So you can be at work on Monday. I'm talking about, they, they gotta be some family time. They gotta be time together, amen. You don't have to be expensive. I'll tell you, it can be a bologna sandwich beside the creek. Is it, can I get an amen right there? And that's a pretty good little time together, amen. You remember how it was when you first got together and you didn't have two nickels to rub together? And I'll tell you, you didn't have no money, but you got just being together was enough. Uh, and just doing something was enough. Uh, I wanna tell you, that's the way it has to be. You say, well, we get together now and all we do is argue and we fight and we fight I'll tell you what you need to do. Get together and start out in prayer. And then it's hard to argue when you're talking to God. You know that? You start out in prayer. And then, listen, you just get together and you have a good time. But what I'm saying tonight is this. Dad, you be the spiritual leader. Mom, I'm gonna tell you, don't you be, listen, don't you be the nag in the home. Man, I didn't know all this was coming, but it's coming. Just tighten your seatbelt just a little bit. Don't you be the nag in the home. Don't you be the one always griping and grumbling and fussing about everything Thing. you build a pleasant atmosphere in that home I'm telling you when he comes home from a hard day's work don't you beat him don't give him a tongue lashing amen don't you make the kitchen chair the whipping post somebody say amen I'm telling you listen you be pleasant you put a smile on your face you be you be a help I feel like I'm preaching right now to, I mean just I don't know what I'm preaching to right now but I'm telling you it ought to be said our homes are in trouble tonight and God help us I'm not talking about sinners I'm talking about People go to church Sunday in and Sunday out, and all they want to do is dig up the past uh, and dig up old bones uh, and beat each other over the head, uh, and we wonder why we don't have revival in our home. You know why our children don't want to serve God? They've seen so much hell at the home. Some of them's bitter over it. Said, Brother Grantley, what do I do? I've done a lot of damage. I'll tell you what you do. You do what you teach them. You get on your knees and you just say, I'm so sorry. You know what that'll do? That'll cover a multitude of sins tonight. do no compromise. His marital compromise. His military compromise. Chapter 18, we won't take time to deal with it. But you can read it when you go home in chapter number 18. He unwisely joins with King Ahab fight against Ramoth Gilead he makes a terrible decision because Ahab brings in his false prophets of Baal to prophesy that they're going to win this battle and Jehoshaphat's got enough spirituality to know that they're liars and he said can we not bring somebody and he said well there's, there's one prophet He said, but Ahab said I hate him <laughs> had to be a Baptist preacher he said, I hate him. He said, "He said, why do you hate him? Because you don't ever tell me anything good. Everything he prophesies is bad. That preacher, every time he gets up, everything he's got to say is negative. Everything he's got to say to me just gets under my skin. Ahab said, it just makes me so mad. He ain't never gonna preach a sugar stick. Ain't no sense in bringing him in. I tell you, that's what they do. They bring him in, sure enough. He pronounces judgment, amen. You know why? Because that's what the truth was. I do tell you, I'd rather go to church where I could hear the truth. as to go somewhere where where they just got my money and sent me out the door and told me everything was A-OK. I don't need a Joel Osteen message every Sunday. I don't want to shear the sheep every Sunday, but God help old time preaching and preaching on sin and preaching like what tonight, not because I'm doing it, just because it's the truth. Preaching on the home, that's what we need. That's what I need. It's what you need. I am going to tell you, my friend, the Jehoshaphat compromises. He yokes up with the wrong side. He gets out there and it almost cost him his life. He prays to God And God Hears his prayer and delivers him Hear me tonight Hooking up with the wrong crowd You'll never win a battle that way Tonight life is a battle isn't it When you think about Living for God There's a warfare that's involved Having a good church Is a warfare There's a battle raging tonight between good and evil, right and wrong, heaven and hell, God and Satan tonight. And man is the battleground. We're caught in the middle of this, but we're on the winning side, isn't that right? Now, if we're on the winning side, why do we want to join the heathen tonight? Why do people want to hook up with the heathen? Why do people want to go out and listen? They want to make alliances with people in this world. I'm telling you, young people tonight, your heroes do not need to be movie stars. They do not need to be sport athletes. And they listen, that's not the people that you need to look to and pattern your life after. They don't need to be country Western singers and rock singers and contemporary singers. I tell you who they need to be. They need to be preachers and missionaries, evangelists. Hey, they need to be godly saints in the church that have lived for God down through the years but we do not need to make alliances with this world you'll never win the battle, you'll never live in victory if you're always hooking up with the wicked people of this world and can I stop and say this, is it not surprising it shouldn't be but it is shocking sometimes to see people that go to good old fashioned churches and to watch the crowd that they hook up with, amen it's shocking tonight there's people tonight that I thought they knew better and you'll see them, you know, I don't understand this. You'll see them aligned uh, with somebody, and you already know the direction that they're going to go down. The military compromise, he compromised. And then there was a money compromise in chapter 20 and verse number 35. And after this, did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with a, with a Hazi, king of Israel. Notice this. Who did very wickedly. He compromised. They built ships, and the Bible said in verse number 37 that the Lord broke those works, and they were not able to go to Tarsus. Amazing how people in church will make deals with the devil and his crowd. I mean, they'll compromise. I mean, they won't tithe, they won't give to missions. You know, but yet, they'll play the lottery. And they'll say, now if I win the lottery, preacher, don't you worry, if I win the lottery, we're going to build that church. And we're going to build that church 10 times bigger. I wouldn't, well, I probably would. I probably would build it. I'd take the devil's money and use it for the glory of God. But you'd have to make a public confession and you'd have to give it all, not 10%. That probably put that out, didn't it? You don't give some of it. You give it all up. If you get right with God, you get rid of all of it. But people, they, you know, in a mason, when it comes to buying and building for other things, I know I'm preaching to the choir. This church has never, I thank God for that. I believe it's one reason God's blessed this church. Nobody has ever complained about an offering. Can you believe that? Nobody's ever complained about giving a missionary money. Nobody in this church has ever complained about, about giving an evangelist money. Nobody's ever complained about building a, a building. I mean, no, you know, nobody's even complained about the color of carpet we put in here. Nobody. I checked the sign after we built this building, it is a Baptist church. walked in here the first first Sunday service, the last Sunday service we had over there, we we had it Sunday morning over there, it was the start of our jubilee, and so the last service in that building over there we had it on Sunday morning, Brother Ray Lindsey preached that morning, and uh, I, I think maybe Brother Kate may have preached that morning, we had two preachers that morning the last service over there we had it that morning, and then the first service we had it Sunday night over here and we walked through, and nobody complained about the size, nobody complained about the sound we didn't have no money left when we built this building we was down to, we had $1600 left in the building fund I remember listen I went down there to. I uh, went to some local pawn shop somewhere said walked in there and I told the fella, I said I got $1600 and uh, I need to buy the best sound system you got for $1600 he looked at me and he said we don't even have a good one for $1600 I said please help me I said we don't have a sound system he made a phone call or two, and he he, he found me a sound system. We, we put it in here, and I'm going to tell you, it was like a Volkswagen trying to pull a tractor trailer. That's how it was. And we had metal chairs up here. Y'all remember that? We just had metal chairs. And we had uh, concrete. Uh, uh, we didn't have no tile in in the in the foyer, and we didn't have the bathrooms finished, and we're never going to do that again. I promise you, Amen. Turnkey all the way, Amen. But that, that's how it was, and we we went in there. But you know what? We had church, and 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 God, God met with us. Hey, I'll tell you something. They come, everybody come in here. Nobody complained. They wasn't no arguing, no fussing. I think it's one reason God bless this church, Amen. Because this church has never been about money. It's never been about a big bankroll. We got more money tonight than we've ever had, and we're not rich. But guess what? We spend it and we spend it on the Lord's word, and we don't spend it foolishly. We gotta keep some money in the treasury to operate. Isn't that right? I mean, no, we don't wanna worry how we're gonna pay the light bill. We don't wanna worry about if something breaks. We gotta buy an air conditioner unit. We don't wanna go borrow money for an air unit. Somebody say man. I mean, God teaches us to be wise. But I'll tell you, if a missionary rolled in tonight and the Holy Ghost said give him $5,000, we all are in agreement tonight. It's not my money and it's not your money, but the tithe is the Lord's. It belongs to him. And I tell you, as long as we keep that attitude, he'll keep putting more in as we put it out. And God's been so good to us, hasn't he? I'm telling you, if he never did another thing for this church, if he never blessed us again, we could shout from here to glory and say, God, it's been good. And we're not compromising with the world. We're not selling out for what the world wants tonight. I'm telling you, when you got the best, why would you want to change, amen? I'll tell you one reason why we're not going contemporary, because it doesn't meet as good of a standard, amen? Why would we want to lower the standard when what we got is better than what they have tonight? Amen. You know why we don't need a fog machine for the preacher to preach? Because I want to tell you, God is real. You know why we don't need a dance team or cardboard testimonies? I saw that I thought, what in the world is that? A cardboard testimony. I looked it up. Don't go look it up. Please don't do that. I said, well, why can't people just stand up and testify? Why well, you got to write it on a, on a cardboard and, 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 and hold it up like you're, you're needing help, like you will work for food? Why is that? Why you got to do that? Why can't you just stand up in church? Let the redeemed of the Lord hold a cardboard and give a... Te- no, that's not what that verse says. Let the redeemed of the Lord say, So, let them say so. Let them stand up and say, well, I once was lost and going to hell. I couldn't get all this on a cardboard, Brother Mike. I once was lost and going to hell, but Jesus reached further down that I could reach up, and he lifted me out of the dunghill of this old world, and he set me on a rock. I'll tell you what, it'll make you want to do it like, amen. I'm telling you tonight, I'm not trading what Hollywood and the world's got because this is real, and it's real good, and it's what we got, and thank God for old-time worship. Up hallelujah. And that crowd hates it. You know why? Because they sold it out a long time ago. The best way to describe those who have left what we are and become who they are. They're bitter over it. It's kinda like when you you had a you had a gym. And you had a gym. And you have a gym. And I sold my gym. And I got my money and my money's gone. And it wasn't what I thought it was. But you still got your gym. And you still got yours. And I wish you'd sell your gym. Because I want you to have what I got. Which is nothing. 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 7-Eleven songs, nothing. That's why they take our songs and they change the music to them. They don't have anything tonight. I'm not being critical. I'm being honest with you tonight. I'm preaching this because I, I never want any of you to go to a contemporary church. And I never want one of your parents to back up one day and say, Well, we'll just go where it's a little easier oh don't do that the danger of compromise and I want to tell you this tonight in closing it could be me tonight to compromise my biggest fear tonight as a preacher the biggest fear that I have is that I won't finish well He said brother Gravely you plan on finishing well oh I do I plan on it but brother Charles is not here tonight but he sang that song I'd rather die just to go back to the world If he said, if it means that I might compromise, I'd rather see the gates of pearl. I would tonight. I mean that with all of my heart. I'd rather die as to leave what God has put us in. You know why most of our young people don't make it? You know why when they turn 18 years old, they go the world? It's because most of them never get to Canaan. Are you going to get in Canaan? You know what Canaan is. It's a spirit-filled life. It's reading your Bible and praying every day and walking with God and surrendering to God's will. You ever going to get to Canaan? I don't know how many of you are or not. But you all want more out of your spiritual walk than just being saved. Mom and Dad, how about you? You know why they never go to Canaan? I'm going to tell you why. Same reason a lot of that crowd never went in the Old Testament. Because them mamas and daddies didn't go. I heard a great illustration on it the other day. A father and mother are sitting there in the wilderness. And they've got their son sitting there. And they say, son, we're going to celebrate the goodness of God. We're going to celebrate how good the Lord has been to us. And that boy says, what do you mean, dad? He said, I mean, look at this manna. God has given us this manna. He's given us this wilderness. God has been so good to us. And that boy looks at that manna and that's all he's ever had. You see, manna wasn't made to satisfy. It was only made to sustain. It wasn't meant for 40 years. It's the mercy of God that they had it that long. And that boy looks at that manna and he looks around at that wilderness while the wilderness is no place to live. And if he knows anything about what Moses said, he knows they're not going to Canaan. His mom and daddy's not going there. And he don't want to live in the wilderness. So the only place left for him to go back to is Egypt. And tonight when I heard that, I said, Dear God, help our church. i tell you, the people that survive is the people that get to Canaan. The people that don't want to compromise is the people that gets on an altar and says, I don't want them movies because they don't please God. Lord, I don't want them filthy movies. Lord, I don't want them. I don't want to sell out to the God of sports. I want to go to Canaan. I don't want that rock music, that country music. I don't want to go the way of the world. I don't want to live in the I don't want to go to church and just sit there under my preacher every week. And no Lord, I want I want a personal, I want a personal walk. God, I want to surrender and I want to read my Bible and I want to pray. God, I want you to be real. And Lord, if there's something in my life that don't need to be there, oh God, I don't want, I don't want this world. I want you, Lord. That's the people that don't compromise. I'm gonna tell you why. Somewhere's a long life's way. Brother Danny, is it true? Somewhere's, as a teenager, I would suppose you tasted and you saw the Lord is good. You got a hold of something one day and it got a hold of you. And you don't want to compromise today, you don't want to go back. Charles Roach, you got a taste of it one day. Sister Kate, you got a taste of it one day, didn't you? <laughs> and you are still shout and he's still good isn't he and he's going to be as good tomorrow when you're at the house as he is right now isn't he God is so good isn't he the Lord is good why would we want to go anywhere else you know why somebody, I feel so I tell you I'm a so burden for somebody in this building tonight If you could just get into Canaan you can get some joy in your life stand tonight God help me not to compromise help us tonight it's not hard you just got to surrender I don't know what the Lord would tell you I don't know what it would be if there's something in your life that would hinder your walk with God you just give it to Him and say Lord I don't want this between me and you And it won't be the last time, but every time it comes up, you just keep, Lord, I don't want this in my life. If the Holy Spirit touches it, that don't need to be there. Lord, it's yours. I want to stay in Canaan. But not as he sings, if you need to come, please don't compromise. Please don't.